you finished to switch them off because otherwise it uh, reduces the impact of the other speakers. Uh, so I guess you've all seen the published agenda pack. Uh, there are two supplementary packs as, as well. Uh, the first uh, provides background for item 11, which is the library's motion, and the second provides notice of an amendment on that same motion. Uh, I will, since there are large numbers of members of the public here, many of whom have young youngsters with them, uh, I will bring one of the items forward, which I perceive is the one which is of most interest to them. I'll do that with your consent, but we'll do that when we get to it next. So I'm going to move on to public speaking now. Uh, we have six or seven speakers uh, this evening. Uh, what I will ask you to do is to come forward. In fact, they seem to be clustered already around the table, which is rather good. Uh, uh, and uh, the second speaker, the subsequent speaker, to come forward as well. And that saves a lot of time uh, when it comes to switching between one and the other. So the first speaker this evening is Mr. Gildia. Can you please switch your microphone on? And uh, three minutes, sir. Thank you very much. Um, Edward Gilday, founder member of uh, Stephen Walden Climate Change Alliance and leader of St. Mary's Church Eco Team. Um, I'm here to welcome the fact that the motion on climate and ecological emergency is being debated this evening. I particularly welcome the fact that um, the ecological emergency is being included in the motion and that 2030 is the deadline that is being set and that your intention in the motion is to plan to work collaboratively with local groups um, in the area to address the crisis. Let's be really clear about what is meant by an emergency. Greta Thunberg put it most succinctly, when your house is burning down, you don't just get into the car and go to the office as usual. I am here this evening to try and save my children and grandchildren from that fire. There can be no business as usual following the passing of this motion. Business has now got to be radical, imaginative and courageous. Every policy of decision of this council must be tested against its impact on our environment. I hear warning bells when I hear the words realistic, feasible and practical. Realistic and feasible should mean giving my grandchildren realistic and feasible chances of survival on this planet. That must be your new definition. You will tell me that you have to live in a real world of constraints, budgets and chances of re-election. I understand all of that. But there is another real world that doesn't negotiate. The latest news from the IPCC is that we have 18 months to get the policies in place that will ensure that global CO2 peaks in 2020 and then starts to come down. Prince Charles has just said, I am firmly of the view that the next 18 months will decide our ability to keep climate change to survivable levels and to restore the equilibrium we need for our survival. And the director of the Potsdam Climate Institute says, the maths is brutally clear. While the world can't be healed in the next few years, it may be fatally wounded by negligence until 2020. If we are negligent, the real world, the planet, will be fine. It will just rebalance itself 
at our expense. Let's not talk about saving the planet. That is absurdly arrogant and complacent. This is about saving ourselves. Your power is limited. My power is even more so. That doesn't stop me educating, protesting you and lobbying. You are three minutes now. So please use your influence to lobby central government to change hearts, minds and lifestyles across Huddlesford. Please vote for this motion and then get down to serious and brave work. Thank you. My next speaker is Mr. Brett. I think you're speaking on libraries. Yeah, that's right. Uh, fine, okay. Uh, can Mr. Wing find a microphone and uh, be ready for the next speaker? Mr. Brett, please, three minutes and we're going to try and keep to time. Thank you. Uh, Essex County Council leader David Finch has recommitted Essex to community-run libraries, claiming the council is empowering communities and condemning those who advocate council ownership of libraries as undermining the supposed empowerment. He claims no libraries will be closed. What we have is not empowerment, but privatisation and the withdrawal of a statutory service. It is closure by stealth, because it will lead to cuts in bookstock, professional library staff and opening times. Factors that will drive down library use, plunging volunteer-run library services into a death spiral. The new strategy document is vague, far more so than the original um, consultation document. It is even dispensed with a savings target. The original consultation document tried to assess libraries against a range of criteria and tiered them. It was a deeply flawed method of looking at cuts, but it was at least a method. We don't even have such detail. We don't know how many and which libraries will be turned into so-called community libraries. There is no information around the offer from ECC to community-run library projects. They say it will be in the form of a bespoke relationship with each site, yet the £18,000 three-year payment by ECC will be the same for every project. We have no idea about the kind of service-level agreements that will be in place for each community-run library and expectations and offer from both the library service and the community. The strategy gives no idea about how a community library will run in practice, nor does it point to any model or example of an existing community library. There is no forward vision of how libraries will be run and used in the future. Two expressions of interest have apparently been received to run Stansted Library as a community organisation. The Parish Council unanimously voted against this. The Parish Council is a democratically accountable voice of the community. The parish council is the owner of the new library building, which was built to the specifications demanded by Essex County Council and with an understanding that they would run the space and rent the space and share the building's running costs. In the name of the community, the council... The county council is negotiating over our heads to force us into a position of taking responsibility... Yep for the funding of a service that is Essex's statutory responsibility. It is heaping mapping massive costs on the parish council with absolutely no community mandate. It is robbing the community with the district's highest level of uh, deprivation of a statutory library service. Vote against these cuts. Vote against 
privatisation or Saffron Walden and Dunmo will be next. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Brett. Next we have Kevin Wing. Can Louise yellow Louise? Yes. Okay, you found a microphone. That's good. Thank you. Uh, Kevin Wing, three minutes, please. So I'm speaking on the motion to declare a climate and ecological emergency as a representative of the Green Party, as a scientist, as an Extinction Rebellion activist, and as a father. And I would firstly like to applaud the fact that this motion has been proposed and highlight specifically two key points around the target of 2030 and a declaration of both the climate and ecological emergency. As a scientist, I perform research into public health and work on a day-to-day basis with scientific evidence and statistics related to diseases such as Ebola, some of which can be quite frightening. But nothing compares, though, to the horrible reality of the findings of the IPCC report into climate change released in October 2018, which was reported widely by the media and informed us that there were 12 years to drastically reduce carbon emissions. In a much less public update last week, the IPCC released a supporting statement saying that the massive, ambitious governmental and societal changes need to take place within the next 18 months. Therefore, it's absolutely critical that the UDC zero emission target is 2030 at the very latest and that radical action on carbon emissions starts immediately. In relation to the criticality of the ecological aspect, the UN also released a biodiversity report in May reporting that one million species are at risk of of extinction. A recent study reported that one third of wild bees and hoverflies are now in decline in the UK and the loss of these key pollinators presents a drastic and immediate risk to food security. This declaration must therefore include an ecological aspect. As an Extinction Rebellion activist, I hear feedback that people already know this, and we are preaching to the converted. In fact, the implications of of global heating have been known for 30 years, so why are we in this dire situation? And the answer is because of powerful vested interests of an ultra-wealthy elite that existed within the majority of our media and within governments, who are making huge amounts of money from a fossil fuel-based economy, who want to maintain, maintain the status quo. My hope and the hope of my family and those I've spoken to in the community is that this council, the first ever district council with a majority that consists of a local political party without a national presence, has the ability to provide the leadership and ambition for the necessary immediate and radical action on these issues at a district level free of these vested interests. I've also heard feedback that there is no money for making the necessary changes at a district level and would encourage the council to look at the Friends of the Earth list of 33 actions that a council can implement which are graded by cost. But how to choose which strategies to adopt? You will all be aware of the response in France to President Macron's fuel tax with months of writing by the Gilets Jaunes which shows the pitfalls of inconsiderate implementation of policy. So what is President Macron doing now? He's formed a citizens' assembly with people randomly selected from the population who will assist government on which policies to implement. I hope the Council will look into this approach. My final point is based upon experience of working on behalf of Extinction Rebellion and other councils. Frequently a a, a climate emergency is declared and then ancient trees and are torn up for new roads to be developed. This must not happen. This motion must not be a boxing activity and has to come with urgent, clear and measurable actions that can be overseen by the community. Excellent. Um, can you turn your microphone off, please, Mr Wing? That's it. Good. Actually, so that's fine. We, Ms. Uh, yellow leaves now and can the next speaker uh, Martin I'm going to leave you to the last actually because uh, that's libraries again if that's okay yeah 
Okay. So the next speaker will be uh, Amelia Gerard. And if you can find yourself a microphone, please, that would be good. Miss Yellowlees, you have three minutes. Thank you. Hello, my name is Louise Yellowlees. I live in Saffron Walden. I have a young family. They are up there. Hi, guys. Um, I set up Saffron Walden Action on Climate Change in November. We have two, uh, 650 active members, and we are trying to spread awareness about the climate crisis that we are in. And the way that we are doing that, we, are, we have evenings with speakers in discussion in town. We have um, been showing films at Saffron Screen. We um, have been making pollution sensors and putting them around town and in schools and having workshops so that people can build pollution sensors themselves and measure the pollution outside their own houses. And people are really, really worried about that. that. Um, we've coordinated six schools so that we have walk-to-school days happening with all six of our local schools. And most... Really importantly for me, we have spoken to over 4,000 children in, our, in Saffron Walden telling them about the fact that we are in a climate emergency right now, what that means, what, in, what is causing it, and then crucially we are giving them solutions, we are giving them ideas that they, they can go home to talk to their parents about. And, you know, there's loads of other stuff happening. It's a lot of stuff. And everyone's patting me on the back and saying, well done, Louise, you've done such a great job. But it's, I'm really proud of it, but it's not enough. It is not enough. We need actual physical changes to be happening. Okay? So when we're, we're 650 members together, but when we go home, we are individuals and individuals making horrendous decisions all day. We're weighing it up. Is this good for the environment? Is this not good for the environment? I feel like a salmon migrating upstream. I'm going upstream and all this water is pushing me back and I'm going against the flow, but I can't can't give up. I am absolutely exhausted. We're all going to burn out doing this. My family are there. I can't give up. I have to keep doing this. So what we need is positive action. And every, I bet you, every time you try and make an ecological decision, it's more expensive, it's time-consuming, it's completely impractical, and it takes forever. When I'm trying to make decisions, it takes absolutely forever. It's a full-time job trying to be eco-friendly. What we need are solutions to make it the most practical, cheap, and easy way to do things, and then everyone will be doing it. People who don't care about climate change will be doing it because it is the easiest option. You have to make this easy for everybody. And so I am so unbelievably happy that we're here tonight with all of you and that we have tabled this motion. And if we can get this passed and we can do it together, we can come together as a community because you can't do this on your own. We have to be together. There are 100,000 people in Uttlesford. Imagine what we can do if we all come together and make a massive difference. Thank you very much. Uh, I have two more speakers. There's Amelia. Emily? Emily. Emily, thank you. Uh, Gerard. Uh, and then there's Mrs. Caton as well. So, uh, and then, sorry, three more speakers, because I've then got Martin Everett. So, uh, Mrs. Caton, can you find your way to a microphone, please? And Emily, please, three minutes. Thank, thank you. you. My name is Emily Gerard, and I'm a member of the Uttlesford Youth Council, although today I'm here to speak on my own behalf. As a 16-year-old, I've grown up understanding the issues surrounding climate change, the detrimental effects of the fossil fuel industry, plastic pollution, and extreme temperatures. I'm fortunate enough to be in a generation that is more politically active than ever, one that truly believes we can change the world. But as you know, time is running out. So I stand here pleading that we start making some real changes. I also stand here supporting Councillor Fairhurst's motion to give members of the Youth Council a louder voice because currently, even though it's our future, we don't really have one. 
Currently, you adults need to be our voices, need to share our morals, and need to understand that our livelihood depends on you making the right choices. I understand that houses and roads and shops and parking and schools all need to be built, but that just means you have to work even harder to make sure it's sustainable for our future. On all new housing developments, there should be electric car charging points, green roofs, easy, easy public transport, and solar panels. Building materials should only come from a 30-mile radius to, make, to reduce vehicle emissions from transportation. We need to invest so much more money and time into planting new green areas, <coughs> switching to electric buses, and banning single-use plastics completely. The list of things we could and should be doing is endless. It doesn't matter what we start with. It doesn't matter how long it takes. All that matters is that we start acting now. The climate crisis is already affecting billions of people. How much more proof do we need? This council has an opportunity and an obligation to make policy changes so that people are held accountable and things start actually getting done. I understand that government funding cuts will affect how much we can spend on these measures, but problems as big as these aren't always solved by just throwing money at them. This council needs to actively lobby our MP to start making real changes, to actively start imposing fines on developers destroying habitats, to actively prioritise environmental education in schools. I appreciate this council trying to bring more awareness to the issue of climate crisis, but awareness only goes so far. We need real changes with a real plan. I would hope that you will now not only begin to enforce these actions, but to act with a sense of urgency. We have eight years, eight years to do everything in our power to secure the future, future of generations to come. 30 seconds. Some say even less. The BBC have just released an article saying some scientists claim it's as little as 18 months. So as good as awareness is, I beg you, please start actually doing something, anything. Thank you. I'm now going to ask Mrs. Caton to speak. I don't know which of these topics you wish to speak upon, Mrs. Caton. The library. Excellent. Thank you. Please proceed. You. 30, uh, three minutes, not 30 minutes, three minutes. <laughs> three minutes will be fine. Maureen Caton, Chairman of Stansted Parish Council. Stansted Parish Council wholeheartedly supports the library motion proposed here tonight. For those councillors unaware of our position... Under Essex's original proposal, Stansted Library was placed in Tier 4 for closure. And at a time when Stansted Parish Council were proceeding with a new build to house the Parish Council and Library Service alongside the CAB, a PCSO, and the Uttlesford Community Information Service. This being an arrangement that had been discussed with Essex from as early as 2012 and with the old library building being demolished as part of that agreement with the County Council to build our new £1 million community hub in 2016. To add insult to injury, the statistics used to determine usage and therefore our tier allocation were taken when the mobile library, with limited book stock, had to cover the gap whilst rebuilding was taking place. Even these statistics were inaccurate, as shown by a Freedom of Information request. Currently, we have been granted funding for a one-year lease 
at half of the originally agreed rent and overheads. Essex County Council's response to the public consultation to their first draft strategy is to say they have saved our libraries. But this is a wither-on-the-vine strategy, which gives them the option to opt out of their statutory duty to provide an accessible county-wide library service. Whilst welcoming more community involvement in our libraries, this does not mean Essex County Council can walk away from the core provision of expertise and knowledge, paid staff, availability and quality and quantity of resources. I am grateful that Councillor Light has enabled the four affected localities in Uttlesford to work together and look at creative ways we can promote the use of our libraries. This was the very reason a new building Stansted was discussed and agreed with Essex County Council officers and councillors to allow a more extensive, multifaceted service 30 seconds. to be delivered from a multifunctional building. The fight to save our libraries continues following the publication of the new draft strategy for community-run libraries in Essex, which proposes the whole-scale transfer of rural libraries to the voluntary sector on a limited and reducing budget over three years. The model of libraries opens solely when volunteers are available and without turnover of books and without access to the library service support is not sustainable and as a consequence they will wither and die. Stansted commitment was to the future which the community embraced with the hub project. I therefore urge you all to support the motion to be put to you and support the provision our libraries require. Thank you. And our final speaker tonight is Martin Everett. Martin, can you find a microphone, please? And uh, you will have three minutes from when you get settled. Under the Public Libraries Act, Essex County Council has a legal obligation to supply a comprehensive and efficient library service to everyone who lives and works in Essex. Yet since about 2004, the library service has been hollowed out, starting with, with the dispensing of qualified librarians from the service. In 2008-09, the Essex Library's budget stood at the equivalent of £29 million a year. It's currently just a touch over £12 million. The result has been further cuts in staffing, cuts in the numbers of hours that libraries open, and cuts in the book budget, resulting in a sharp fall in the number of users and readers. Instead of attempting to reverse the decline, Essex County Council has produced a strategy that will accelerate that decline, pushing the majority of small and medium-sized libraries out of its statutory service, leaving residents in communities like Stansted and Thaxted with a second-rate service which they will have to fund in addition to paying their council tax for the service provided by Essex County Council, which they will be unable to use. Libraries forced out of the Essex service will lose their paid staff and instead become volunteer-run with all the problems that that entails. They will have fewer books than at present, loss of interlending between Essex libraries, shorter opening hours and lose many of the activities and reading support that staff can currently provide. 
in all probability they will have inferior buildings because they will not be able to afford the rent in their existing locations. Essex offers what it claims will be an improved e-library, ignoring the trend that has seen a peak of reader interest in e-books and an increase in restrictions on their use by libraries. Their plans also fly in the face of the recent report on a single digital presence for libraries produced by the British Library that emphasises the importance of libraries as physical spaces with trained staff if digital services are to work effectively. The recent press headlines that no Essex libraries will close was misleading. It is clear that using a seriously flawed consultation as evidence, Essex has delayed closure of libraries in what were tiers three and four for five years, during which time they will be forced out of the library's statutory run service to fend for themselves without the support and expertise they need. Worse, the revised strategy also puts what were called Tier 2 libraries at risk and could well see cuts in opening hours and staffing at Tier 1 libraries like Saffron Walden as well. It's time to call a halt. I ask that you support the amended motion. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, and thank you, speakers, for keeping very well to time. It's greatly appreciated. I'm going to take item one off our agenda, which is apologies, and then, councillors, if we're willing, I shall move straight on to item 10, which I perceive most of the, the public this evening have come to um, be present at. So, first of all, apologies for absence, please. I have. I've been notified of councillors Light, councillor Luck, councillor Reeve, and Councillor Gregory. Any further apologies? Uh, yeah, I've got him. Thanks. Yes, yeah. Councillor Luck. Anybody else? Councillor Coote. Coote. Yes, Councillor Coote. Thank you. Uh, declarations of interest, please, Councillors. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Saffron Walden Town Council. Yes, Councillor Goddard. No, Gerard. <laughs> Close. Thank you, Chair. Um, I'm a, a member of Newport Parish Council, a uh, member of the 100 Parishes Society, and my daughter is on the Youth Council. Okay. Councillor Eek. Saffron Warden Town Council. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Barker. As an Essex County Council member and um, chairman of both the Pension Fund and Cabinet Member for Libraries. And Councillor Crisioni. Uh, in relation to... Agenda item 10, I'm a member of the National Trust, British Association of Shooting Conservation and the Conservative Environment Network. Excellent. Councillor uh, Count. Helen Parish Council. Thank you. I'm, I'm informed that we don't need Parish Council, but I always declare mine. So there we are. Uh, anybody else for declarations? Councillor DeVries? No, 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 no. Looks good. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I'm now going to move on to item 10, unless anybody has strong objections to that. That is the first of our motions for this evening. Uh, it's uh, a motion from Councillors Crisioni, Light, Pepper and Taylor, and it's entitled Climate and Ecological Emergency. I would like to invite uh, Councillor Pepper to propose the motion as set out in the agenda pack. Councillor Light. 
Sorry, Councillor Pepper. <laughs> Close. Mr Chairman, fellow members, colleagues and friends, time is running out. Yes, Mr Chairman and friends, time is running out. The signs are already there. We're facing a climate and ecological emergency with limited time to act. Just last year, the International Panel on Climate Change reported that in order to keep the rise in global temperatures below 1.0 C this century, emissions of carbon dioxide would have to be cut by 45% by 2030. That is 45%. The next 18 months will be critical. We could see food webs and ecosystems collapse completely. This is a man-made disaster on a global scale. This must be treated with the uppermost urgency, and it is our responsibility to put it right. I'm here tonight as a Kiwi councillor who is fiercely passionate about the environment. My Māori culture has been hugely influential in my strong spiritual connection to the land. We regard land, soil and water as treasures. We are their guardians because they provide a source of unity and identity for local people. This is in my DNA. It is also central in the DNA of our party, Residents for Uttlesford. It is in our manifesto and in our promise to voters throughout our district, we will protect and enhance our natural environment. But it is not about just me, nor is it about our or any party. It is fitting in this endeavour that we make this important pledge at our first full council meeting. It is who we are and who we must be for our future and generations ahead. We are all in this together. And tonight we have a wonderful opportunity to set aside our political differences and to make a difference to the way we live in our beautiful natural environment and rich, rich historical region. It is therefore with great pride that I present this as a fully cross-party initiative, and I look forward to the fullest cooperation from all members and concerned residents. Before I proceed, I must mention and pay tribute to our parish councils and ardent climate change supporters or campaigners. Thank you, Claire, Louise, Trilby, Kevin, Richard, Paul and Margaret, and Irene from SSC. It is vital that our local communities are at the heart of our local decision-making, and they are instrumental in shaping our net-zero carbon future. Tonight, what I present does not pretend to be an exhaustive list of actions and initiatives that will resolve all our problems in the future, but I believe that it is a bold, practical attempt to make a real start. Mr Chairman, may I present the co-authored motion by myself, Councillor Light, Councillor Cristoni, Councillor Taylor and supported by Christopher, uh, sorry, Councillor Pavitt. The motion is for your consideration. This Council resolves, one, to declare a climate and ecological emergency, acting now to prevent a climate and ecological catastrophe that will greatly impact our children, grandchildren and future generations. Two, 
to commit to achieving net zero status by 2030 and protecting and enhancing biodiversity by A, delegating the Cabinet Member for Environment and Green Issues to establish an energy and climate change working group of Cabinet. That person is me. I will arrange our first meeting within the next six weeks. B, working collaboratively across the Council, engaging with individuals, community groups, businesses and other partners you in the district. You have one minute left, Councillor. Including young people who should have a voice to help shape our future. The response from everyone to date has been very encouraging. C, lobbying central government to urgently provide funding and implement necessary policy changes. D, producing a bold plan of action that is realistic, measurable and deliverable. If it is not measured, it is not managed. E, ensuring significant progress has been made to deliver the action plan by April 2023. Mr Chairman, I have more to say... Um, however, I want to reserve the right, to, and I want to reserve the right to speak uh, before the vote is taken. Thank you. Yes, of course, that's excellent. Thank you. That motion is proposed. I require a seconder. Do I find a seconder, Councillor Cristioni? Seconded by Councillor Cristioni. Thank you. The matter is. Councillor Cristiani, do you wish to speak now or do you wish to reserve your right to speak to the end of the debate? I'll reserve my right, Chairman. Okay, fine. In that case, this debate, this subject is open for debate. Yes, uh, Councillor... Day. 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 Yes, sorry. Thank you. Councillor Day, please. Thank you, Chair. Now, this is a vast subject... We, we, Please, will you stand up, please? This is a vast subject, uh, Chair, and I'll concentrate basically uh, on issues regarding aviation. I'd like to start by saying that I truly believe that all of us councillors in this chamber tonight have a duty of care. A duty to ensure, as is reasonably possible, the health and the well-being of the people of Uttlesford. I would further add that all of us in this chamber, and this includes our officers and members of the public, that we are just but mere temporary custodians of this beautiful area we live and work in. Is there a truer saying of we love where we live, which is, of course, a motto used by the R4U party in the recent election campaign. Overall, we have a moral duty to ensure that our grandchildren and their grandchildren are handed a safe and healthy environment to play in, to live in, and to work in. So how do we achieve that? And what can we do to help sustain such an environment? Now let us remind ourselves that we recently witnessed an outgoing Tory Prime Minister who, dare I say, achieved very little during her term in office as head of the government. In the last minute, 
in a ditch to achieve some resemblance of achievement, she introduced a climate emergency and set 2050 as the date for the end of greenhouse emissions, making the United Kingdom the first major economy so to do. In so doing, we are told that a citizens' assembly will be established. This will act as a representative group of members of the public coming together to debate issues and come to conclusions on how best to tackle this crisis. This group will supposedly meet during the autumn, hopefully to take the matters forward. I would suggest for this to be successful, there will need to be strong government support and commitment. And equally vital will be a buy-in from the public to realise what is achievable from zero emissions from an environmental, health and employment perspective. Let's hope this group will not be a toothless tiger and that the government will do more than just listen. Sadly, at the moment, to me, it appears to be nothing more than a proposal by central government that gives no lead, no guidance whatsoever on how to tackle carbon emissions by aircraft. It should be remembered that aircraft are responsible for a minimum of 2% and probably as much as 5% towards global warming by not only CO2 emissions, but also particles such as nitrogen oxides, which can trap heat at high altitudes. You have about one minute, Councillor. What is required is a total commitment by central government with a clear direction to the aviation industry to improve their current footprint or face severe sanctions. Here in Uttlesford, we have the airport in the country the management of which are keen to expand. Have they shown any commitment to reduce their carbon footprint? The simple answer I would suggest is no. Major airports such as London Heathrow, London Gatwick and London Stansted in the bigger picture of aircraft carbon emissions are, I would suggest, the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room to central government, put simply... They just do not know how to deal with this problem. Right, Chairman, I will try to conclude. The residents of Uttlesford uh, Party produced a residents' manifesto during the election campaign, setting out their vision for the future of Uttlesford. Within that document, mention was made for a better airport deal. We as a party said we were committed to a fairer deal with the airport to balance employment with the airport's responsibility to deal with dirty air. But to date, we have not seen any commitment from the airport to do so. As a new administration, we have introduced a specific cabinet portfolio position with responsibilities for the environment, green issues and equalities. This is headed by my very good friend, Councillor Louise Pepper, I applaud her appointment as a, Louise as an extremely committed, tenacious, bright and knowledgeable member of the Cabinet specialising in environment issues. Her appointment illustrates the importance placed by the RFU party on facing up 
to the responsibilities of the duty of care to all of us who reside or work within this district. Thank you, Chair. Yes, thank you, Councillor. Um, I can't believe that that is the only speaker that we have. Uh, yes, Councillor, yeah. Councillor Taylor. Um, I'm going to ask people to try and limit themselves to five minutes because uh, otherwise it's unfair and disrespectful to other councillors if you run on. Thank you. Councillor Taylor, thank will you, you stand up, please? Thank you, Mr Chairman. And switch the microphone on. <laughs> Looks like you have a technical failure there. Uh, it's That's working right. now. That's, That's right. fine. Can you hear me? Sure. I believe the most important feature of this motion is that from its uh, inception, it has been collaborative. I as a, I'm very pleased as a member of the Liberal Democrat Party, a party with very significant credentials on the climate and the environment, to work with members of R4U and the Conservative Party as joint authors of this uh, motion before your, the members t tonight. Um, the aim, therefore, is that members of the council, its officers, employees and residents of Uttlesford should all feel that they are engaged in managing and hopefully reversing what has frequently been described as the greatest threat in our time. Details of what we realistically uh, can do are not part of this motion. We hope and expect that these will come as part of the wider engagement and we'll, we will welcome the expertise and enthusiasm of groups and organisations within and beyond the Council and we welcome tonight the members of Saffron Walden Action on Climate Change, the Greens or representation from the Greens, St Mary's Church Eco Team and mention of Friends of the Earth and these are just examples of the sort of groups and people who we will be looking to engage for their expertise and enthusiasm. Um, we realise that if we are to successfully tackle climate change in Uttlesford, these projects will have to be a balance between challenge and realism. I hesitate to say realism as we have been criticised for this, quite rightly I think, but by realism, I mean these things that we can actually realistically do, um, which I'm sure everybody would agree is absolutely necessary. Uh, the second and most as other important aspect of this motion, it is not just about climate emergency, as we have heard. It is also about ecology, the ecology, our ecology and environment, recognising that although global warming due to CO2 production is closely related to loss of green space, and loss of trees, and with its uh, threat to biodiversity, other as aspects of ecological harm are due to air and water pollution and the vast overuse of uh, non-recyclable materials and plastics, again, as we have already heard. Thus, I hope that members will support this motion, both this evening and, perhaps more importantly, by embracing its aims in future council business. Thank you.
Thank you, Councillor Taylor. Uh, Councillor Storer would like to speak, I believe. Thank you, Chairman. Members, I've wrestled with this subject. My geography degree involved my studying geology and climatology as well in depth. And um, as I'm sure you all know, the Earth is continually evolving and changing. Continents moving, mountain ranges created and eroded away. The climate changes continually. Ice sheets come and ice sheets go and come back and go again. So this made me sceptical about the influence that mankind could possibly have on the climate of this planet over just 200 years from a standing start by releasing what is, after all, a naturally occurring gas. But hey, never say never. After all, carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas. Perhaps the clue is in the, that title. Maybe we are influencing the climate, although I suspect that if we are, that personally, that that's not to a significant degree. So I felt unable to support this motion, but also not convinced that I could vote against it for the reason I've just quoted. So I thought, I've got to ab abstain. But I thought, I don't want to do that. I wanted to do some re research to try and clarify the matter, get it clear in my own mind. And I did that. Don't misunderstand, don't let me mislead you. I didn't read technical papers about detailed um, tidal changes and uh, temperature changes in the oceans. No. I looked at various documentaries, um, various interviews, and read one or two articles. And what I found, to my satisfaction, that there was no hard unequivocal evidence that man's carbon dioxide emissions have influenced climate, <laughs> despite it being the accepted wisdom. I know that. Government departments exist on it. Loads of people are, are in jobs or industries built up on it. But I just wanted confirmation. The case seemed to me, from what I could ascertain, to be no more than supposition. But I did find strong evidence that carbon dioxide has never influenced the climate change in a documentary, and I found that compelling. But then I read an article um, that um, undermined the validity of that documentary. It suggested that the creators had uh, tweaked the information, shall we say, and that it wasn't altogether as true as it could and should be. So I was back where I stood, back where I started. I can't support the motion because I'm not convinced about the case. But don't let that give you the wrong impression. Why do I say that? Because that's the only element I would question. If this motion featured what I considered to be more practical things like minimising pollution, air, water, soil and so on, minimising water consumption, planning for flooding in a response to heavy prolonged rainfall, stopping the use of plastics in single-use throwaway items, 
and promoting the design of buildings to reduce internal temperature extremes, then I'd be at the front of the queue on this. I'd probably have written it myself. But it's not. It doesn't. It's focused upon net zero carbon. For reasons I've explained, I'm dubious. Don't want to be, but I am. So I must abstain. I owe it to myself. I can't vote one way or the other. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Storer. The next speaker is Councillor Gerard, please. Thank you. Five minutes, if you can, please. Uh, thank you, Mr Chair. I don't think I'm going to need five minutes for once. Um, <laughs> you will. Although I might. Um, yeah, look. We don't have a credit scheme here, I'm afraid. <laughs> I just want to bring us back to this motion which on the table here, which I, I must say, Councillor Pepper, I, I've seen Councillor Pepper in action on this matter. Um, she is exceptionally passionate about um, all matters, green environment and this particular motion. Um, the speakers that we've had there here this evening have all spoken also passionately and, and I, I must commend them all, my daughter included. Um, I think that what we have before us is an extraordinary opportunity to do something special, whether we are residents, we're councillors, district councillors, parish councillors, town councillors, Essex County councillors, our MP who's not able to be here this evening but her included, we all need to be involved together um, because we are actually all in this together. Councillor Storer, I hear what you say, uh, I believe we are all in this together and it is, it is, in my opinion, a very serious issue and we're quite right to be here. I'd also like to say that um, this is not about party politics. This is absolutely not. This has to be something that we collectively are united upon. It's something that unites us as individuals, as human beings. And there, in my opinion, there is no scope moving forward for any party politics in this matter. And I, I hope everyone, all 39, 39 councillors, will agree on that matter as we move forward. And certainly I feel that... On the whole, I feel in the room that we are collectively um, supporting this motion, as am I, obviously. Um, I think that um, what's important is our jobs as councillors, as officers, as a council, as a body corporate, um, as residents. It's how do we... Uh, it's the state that we leave this district... <laughs> How do we leave it after us? Um, that's what's important for me. And I think it's really about um, the future. This motion and the other motions tonight are about the future. And so I'd just like to once again uh, commend the cross-party motion and I support it uh, 100%. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Dean, please. Five minutes.
Thank you very much, Councillor Dean. And can I ask the officers, you always do write a good minute, but for this particular uh, item, I think we need a, a meticulous minute because it will be used and referred to in the future. Thank you. Okay, Councillor Eek, are you still there? Thank you. <laughs> yes, I haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> um, like Councillor Gerard, I'd like to applaud the members of the public who have spoken so passionately on this subject and reminded us um, of why we're doing this, uh, for not just for ourselves, but for our children, for our grandchildren, and for those that are going to follow. Um, I think that, uh, unlike my colleague, and with due respect, I think I can support this, this motion, and I do support this motion. I also think that it's within our gift, within each of our uh, areas of expertise, within our committees, within our, within our portfolios, to be able to do something that will um, move this forward and move it forward quite quickly, I believe. I think there is, there is some low-hanging fruit which is out there for us to pluck and to implement almost immediately. I know there's a lot of other work that has to be done. Some will take far more time, such as changing aviation industry and cleaning up uh, uh, aircraft. That happens to be in my portfolio. I will start work on that immediately, but it will take a lot of time. It's a national, it's a global issue, an international issue. It's not just a local issue. The House of Commons Transport Committee has just published a paper called Active Travel, Increasing Levels of Walking and Cycling in England. It's something that has sort of dual benefit. It tackles the emissions issue by taking cars off the roads and it increases our level of fitness and therefore reduces burdens on the NHS. We have within Uttlesford an Uttlesford cycling strategy. It was developed and issued in October 2014. To my knowledge there are only one or two cycle tracks that have been delivered against this strategy since 2014. I'm going to be working very hard and very diligently to make sure that our developers and the future developers in this district stump up the sorts of contributions that they have to for us to implement this cycling strategy. And I would urge everybody within their little areas to look at similar low-hanging fruit. This is something we can do. We can deliver this, and we must. So I'm supporting uh, the motion and look forward to working with Lu uh, Louise in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Asker. It's been very patient, and I have two more. I want to bring this debate to a close fairly soon, so I'm going to ask for no more speakers in the foreseeable future. Councillor Asker. Thank you, Mr Chair. Um, I'll make it very brief. I'm quite happy to support the motion, um, and I think that everybody has um, the right thoughts, the right commitment, whether they are the public, uh, all councillors that are in the room, and the officers. 
I would just also like to say, though, that I fully support the comments made by Councillor Storer. Um, there are lots of things that he says that do actually make a lot of sense. Um, from my perspective, um, when I'm out on my day-to-day -day job, I have the most stunning office window that if you saw it, you would be dead jealous. Um, it is the windscreen of my car, but I do cover half the country, and so I do see the most stunning areas. Um, so the, the points that Councillor Stora makes actually resonate with me when I'm out and about and I see things on a daily basis. So there is right, right and room for his questions as well as the comments that are made uh, and the presentation for this particular motion. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Asker, and commendably short. Well done. Um, now, wait a minute. Don't rush me. I have Councillor Driscoll, please. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Uh, mine's hopefully going to be just as brief. Um, listening to everybody talking, members of the public and fellow colleagues, I will be supporting the motion, but I would like to say quite simply that if the motion is passed, or when the motion is passed, as a council, that's including the officers and the workforce of UDC, we have to lead the way. We have vehicles out there with UDC all the way across them that are smoking. And I don't mean cigarettes. We have to lead the way if we're going to make people believe that we are going to do this job. What I am glad to see is that this does go right across the board with all parties represented here in this auditorium. And all I can say again is... Let's go on with it. Let's do the job. Thank you. Councillor Caton, you wanted to speak. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, I shall be equally short. Right. I thought I was going to be equally short. Uh, and speaking on this subject, but I also want to speak not as a, a councillor but chair of the Sustainable Uttlesford Group, which is actually the environmental forum which is part of the Uttlesford Local Strategic Partnership. And I think we, we as a group, wish to obviously support this motion and participate in any activities. And we see it as a, a way of kind of embedding uh, environmentalism uh, into our, our local uh, citizens and businesses and community groups' behaviours because it is actually in the end going to be individual de little decisions that are going to actually make the big uh, impacts. And so I'm quite happy to support the motion. Thank you. I have a list here. It keeps on getting longer, but Councillor Hargreaves. Thank you, thank you, Chair. I will also be brief. I'm speaking as Cabinet Member for Finance and Budgets, and there was a question as to have we actually got some cash to actually do this. Um, may I just draw people's attention to, Council's attention to, we have uh, three um, funds, reserves, uh, 
Uh, I'll just quote you the figures, and these are net after taking off what has already been allocated, for example, for the cover barracks uh, running track. Uh, we've got the Strategic Initiative Fund. That's about £1.6 million. We have a Transformation Reserve. That's about £1.1 million. And a Future Development Projects Fund. Uh, and that's about £200,000. So that's just under £3 million. Now, we know the airport's coming up. We suspect that possibly the uh, decision of the committee might be not to MAG's um, approval. And, of course, the issue then, MAG might then take the matter to appeal. So we have to make sure we've got funds to deal with that, and we will. Uh, we could, don't want to pre prejudice what the committee might decide, but if the committee decides to make a decision that supports uh, stopping climate change, I would argue that spending the, some of those reserves to fight that appeal should we need to is part of this. Uh, but I just speak to say here that we have got some funds available which we, we can use and will use uh, as necessary. Thank you. Uh, we have to be very careful, Councillor Hargreaves, when it comes to uh, planning matters that will be considered in the future. There is no predetermination in this case. That has to be stated. So we have Councillor Lemon. Thank you for being so patient. Thank you, Chair. I'm sorry I wasn't going to speak. I do support this motion. But, uh, you know, I've sat here and I've heard a lot about resources tonight, and that is important. But I feel that we can do a lot without resources, for instance, by encouraging the transport industry, especially the, the bus companies and the coaches and the taxis, to speed the introduction of electric vehicles. I know in Hampstead all buses or coaches have to be electric now, and this, that's... I think we, it's important that we talk to the industry, not only transport industry, all industries, and get them involved as well. And I think that's a very important thing to do. Very good point. point. Uh, I have one other speaker, and then I will ask uh, Councillor Crisioni if you, you've reserved your right to speak as a seconder, and then I shall ask the proposer uh, to sum up if you so wish. So the final speaker from the floor is Councillor Pavitt. Thank you, Chair. Um, like Councillor Pepper, I, I come from a part of the world originally by birth that uh, is what's known as Bhumaputra, man of the earth, uh, where we're very connected to uh, the soil and things that happen. So this particular motion is very, very close to my heart. Listening to Two groups of speakers here. One were very passionate speakers about the climate change motion. The other was a very passionate group of speakers about libraries. And it occurred to me, this might be a little bit too lateral thinking, but here's a simple thing while we have everybody in the room. How about all our libraries become climate change action centres? Very simple. They, provide, they, they will provide a simple focus for the small things to get done, because that's how this will happen. Lots and lots of small actions. So if we provide places where people can meet, talk about, 
provide initiatives on a very, very local, small scale, we'll start to achieve something by the mass of small actions. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Pavett. I'm told that Councillor Lachlan would like to uh, add a footnote to all this. Thank you. Right, Councillor Cuscioni, would you like to uh, speak as a seconder and then I shall ask the, the proposer to sum up. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, I think I speak for most, if not all, of the councillors here in saying that members of the public here this evening, are, or at least to support this motion, uh, are most welcome and your message has been heard both loud and clear. Uh, I'm proud to have co-authored this cross-party motion to declare a climate and ecological emergency here in Uttlesford and to act now to avoid catastrophe. It's a move that I hope will make waves across the county, and perhaps even further afield, and one which I also hope will bring the realities of this very real and existential crisis to the fore, particularly for the many who have the, who have the power within their own lives and their own communities to enact change. This issue is one which rightly transcends party politics, something that I hope me and my co-authors have been able to prove in combining our efforts and bringing you this motion both proudly and collectively. It is one which affects not just Uttlesford, but the world. And ultimately, ultimately, it is one which deserves more attention from all levels of government, from Flitch Green and Little Dunmo Parish Councils in my own ward to the upper echelons of the United Nations. Mr Chairman, with regard to the motion itself, I want to touch on why I continue to feel so passionately about its core proposition, both from a personal political perspective uh, as a relatively young Conservative councillor and also in relation to the future of this council and our own organisational attitudes to climate change. I am, fundamentally, a Conservative, and the clue, if anyone hadn't noticed, is in the name, to conserve. I always look back to the words of one of the fathers of conservatism, Edmund Burke, who passionately argued that society is ultimately a contract, not only between those who are living, but those who are living, those who are dead, and those who are yet to be born. Environmental sustainability is a core conservative value and one which I hold in the highest regard.
It does not compete with my core belief. In fact, in fact, it aligns with them. The notion of free markets, of small and decentralised government... Councillor, this is not a platform for a political statement. We are debating one of the most important things that we've seen in this council. It is not a platform for grandstanding. If you have a point about the motion, that's fine. But about the motion, please, not about your party. I'm sorry if it's been perceived in that light. What I'm trying to say is that this reaches across all parties, all political beliefs. And you have said that, so that's fine. Let's move on to the rest of it, please. Government owned the, over, the last years, over the last nine years has come leaps and bounds, putting the environment toward the forefront of its policies. If you're willing to set aside Brexit for a moment, that is. But it needs to do more. Therefore, not only does this motion set out the mechanisms through which this council might face the challenge of achieving net zero carbon status for itself, perhaps exploring ambitious policies for biodiversity net gain across new developments, the potential for clean air zones, constructive stakeholder engagement, including with our airport in the countryside, that will drive local business growth through sustainability. But for me and my fellow co-authors, it also calls on the government to step up, face the challenge and get this crisis under control. My call to the government, as a fellow Conservative proud to co-author this motion, is to take note and take action to address the overwhelming ambition of local government and residents across the land to reduce carbon emissions and preserve our environment for future generations. That means putting an end to fracking. It means investing in sustainable transport, ending the sale of petrol diesel engines by 2030. Councillor, as far as I'm aware, there is no fracking in this area. Reducing excess waste and its export abroad, delivering sustainable homes, putting Britain at the forefront of environmental stewardship on the world stage. Every country will be affected and no one can opt out. We are not the Lords, we are the Lords creatures, the trustees of this planet charged today with preserving life itself, preserving life of all its mystery and all its wonder. That was Margaret Thatcher. Building a better district and a better world. <laughs> Driving prosperity and social mobility, ensuring health and well-being and creating a world of which we can all be proud relies on one central premise, having a world to begin with. I commend the, mem the work of members across this chamber for their perseverance and enthusiasm in the drafting and motion, uh, moving of this motion. Join us in safeguarding this beautiful district and this divine world we love for those who are yet to see it. Thank you. I now call upon Councillor Pepper, please, to uh, sum up uh, for your motion. Thank you. Our party has always been committed to the objectives, and moving forward, our plan is for an ABC for Life programme that targets A for air quality, B for biodiversity, and C for carbon reduction. We're tackling the three largest environmental issues that the modern world faces. A stands for air quality. We will implement policies to reduce pollution where illegal levels are found by placing air quality monitors in high-risk locations like towns and schools, key villages, motorways and near the airport. The Stansted Airport policy will ensure MAG takes responsibility for their environmental impact, including dirty air, noise and congestion. B stands for biodiversity. Protection and planting of trees is an absolute necessity. They reduce noise, provide shade, nesting habitats, as well as absorbing and filtering pollution. Yes, Councillor, may I just stop you there? This is supposed to be a summing up. It's not another speech. 
so it's for you to address what's already been said and to deal with any inconsistencies as you see them. Thank you. We will plant 80,000 trees, one for every person in Uttlesford, and we'll, enforce, we'll be enforcing large developments like garden towns to actively contribute. The role of nature is important too. We'll cre create new wildlife corridors, widespread use of bee boxes, implement rewilding, verge management, wildflower sowing, and reduce pesticide policies. We will expand our current saffron ward and plastics charter throughout Uttersud by increasing recycling as well as reducing single-use plastics. C stands for carbon reduction to net zero. We'll update the council planning policies, which will be cross-party, to deliver an increase in provision of green spaces, and this includes garden communities providing 50% as required, improving connectivity for walking and cycling, promote and improve public transport and car-sharing schemes, provide charging points for low-carbon vehicles, and deliver new energy-neutral homes. Seat to replace council equipment and vehicles with lower carbon initiatives at the end, or sorry, alternatives at the end of their life cycles. Mr Chairman, let us make this big difference all together tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor, and thank you, Councillors. Uh, we've spent the best part of an hour on this. I think it's been well debated. Um, I've said very little other than to complain to my fellow councillors about one thing or another. Um, I would say that this motion, uh, Councillor Dean very correctly pointed out, in my view, that unless it's backed with some sort of funding and resource, uh, it's going to be very difficult to implement any of this. Uh, the other point that I would add from the Chair is that think of this as a closed row. It's basically uh, a motion upon which other actions can be hung during the life of this council. It's a basis for going forward, but in itself, it is simply uh, opening a door to enable us to do that. So it's what comes after this that counts, rather than that which goes for it. So thank you very much. I am now going to move to a vote. Uh, will those in favour of this motion please show? That looks quite unanimous. Is anybody against? Uh, yes, okay. Uh, those against, please. Please show. Nobody. Those abstaining, please show. One. Okay. So I think that means the motion's carried. Thank you very much, everybody. Colleagues, colleagues, I'd like to move on to item 11, which is the library motion. Is it your wish that I do so? Yes, yes, we'll move on to item 11. We've still got other business to deal with, but there are members of the public here, and it's out of respect for them. So I'm moving on to item 11, which is proposed by councillors Light and Sell on the matter of library services. Now... Councillor Sell, yes? Uh, may I invite you to uh, propose the motion uh, and set out, as, as set out in the agenda pack, please? Thank you. I'm not sure which order you wish to follow, because as you may know, there's a substantive motion 
followed by an amendment. Do you wish to take the amendment first? Do you to speak to that? No. You, I'm informed you have to propose the motion and then we can debate the okay. amendment. So I would like to propose the motion. Uh, I spoke of, regarding libraries some months ago to the uh, past council. I should declare some interests. Uh, I am a member of Stansted Parish Council. I was its chairman when we first decided to, with Essex County Council, to get a new library for Stansted. I should declare an interest as an inveterate reader, someone who spent an inordinate amount of my life in libraries, uh, for which I have no regret, and, and someone who's actually got library books out at the moment. But um, I think I should start, first of all, by expressing uh, my thanks to all those people who responded to the consultation. Some 21,000 people responded to the consultation. I know that Councillor Barker didn't like it very much, that 60,000 people signed petitions. Um, but nevertheless, there was a big response across Essex. So I welcome the fact that Essex has decided not to close libraries. However, I'd like to give one or two analogies because it's a kind of a mixture of emotions I have speaking about this. Because, yes, on the one hand, I'm glad that people power did have some influence upon the administration. However, I have, as the, the public speakers mentioned, concerns. Concerns affecting Thatstead and Stansted in particular, but libraries across Uddlesford and further in the county. SIPFA, which is the public finance organisation, spokesman for SIPFA said um, his analogy was that libraries are a bit like a canary in the coal mine. It's an indication of what's happening across the local government sector. And we know why canaries were kept in the coal mines, to warn the miners of gas, etc. And clearly there is a concern that libraries are seen by some as non-essential. The phrase was used earlier this evening, I think, by Councillor Eek, about low-hanging fruit. And it has been seen as, by not just by Essex, but by many councils, as low-hanging fruit. Um, and I remember when I used to live in London, the wonderful Camden libraries that were there, now a shadow of themselves, unfortunately. The concern that I have is that, yes, these libraries have been reprieved. Yes, we have got an investment into the library system. But it is for a relatively short period of time. It's being tapered, three years. What happens after those three years? 
I was doing some research on this topic. Councillor, you're down to one minute, I'm afraid. Okay, thank you. And I was doing some research. We've actually got far more volunteers working in libraries than we've got paid staff. So speaking to the motion, libraries are not a luxury, they're an investment. And I believe this council should clearly send out a message that we value libraries in this district and we should all do our best to retain them. Thank you, Jim. Thank you very much. Uh, that's a proposal. I need a seconder at this point. I have Councillor Laval proposed and seconded. Do you wish to speak now or do you wish to uh, speak at the end of the debate? I'd like to reserve to speak at the end. Thank you. I believe there is an amendment uh, to this motion and that, that is proposed by Councillor Caton. Do you wish to make that, uh, propose that amendment now, Councillor? Yes, I... Would you like to read it out to us? For the audio record, it's always good if these things are read out. Right, and the, the, on, the, on the second line, it, it uh, changes the words uh, to our village libraries with before short term, and then at the end, after closure, it says, and resolves, one, to demand that all libraries in Uttlesford get, get continued access to Essex Library Service computer and management systems, interlibrary lending and stock rotation, and core paid staff for the foreseeable future, and two, to work with Essex County Council, parish councils, and the wider Uttlesford community to achieve this goal. Thank you. I need a seconder for that. Do I find a seconder? Councillor Sell, seconded by Councillor Sell. It's now available to debate. Yes. Do you wish to speak to the amendment, uh, Councillor Sell, at this point? Because I'm conscious I've spoken before. Um, we decided to put some teeth into this motion. Uh, when I proposed the original resolution, I asked the then leader of the council to give me some assurances. One, that libraries would be part of the Assis County Council network and two, there will be core paid staff. At that time he was unable to give me those assurances and I do feel um, this is from Unison I'll just read out a very brief quote from Unison anyone who thinks volunteers can, re can re reliably deliver all the services or that highly skilled library staff provide, it has spent a long time in the fiction section. And I know, because I heard Councillor Barker on the front row, and you were hailing Broomfield as an example of a library. We were not? Springfield, sorry. Springfield, near Chelmsford anyway. And Springfield as an example of a community library. I don't believe that 
relying on volunteers to run our libraries is the way to go. And for that reason and others, I would support the amendment. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor. We now, uh, the amendment is now available for debate. I believe that Councillor Barker wishes to speak. And then we shall vote on the amendment. If, the amend if that is successful, then Thank the you, amendment Chairman. will be substantive. Um, Thank Chairman, you. Sorry, I'm, sp I'm still this. speaking. Excuse Sorry? me. I'm still speaking. Oh, One person speaks at a time, as you know. So we'll, we'll then vote on the amendment. If that is successful, that will become a substantive motion. Thank you, Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'm quite surprised to see this item back here. It was last debated in this chamber on the 21st of February, a very similar motion, so I'm surprised within the six-month rule this is actually even allowed. Um, the motion does have some good points, the amended motion. It says working together with all parties, but actually demanding that another council does something. What are you going to demand next? Are half the parish councillors are women? What happens when Essex demands that you move to a four-weekly recycling system? We should not be demanding of any other council that it does something. We should be working collectively. The last motion, very enthusiastically, people were talking about all partners working together. That's what we need to do about these libraries. We've all heard that the leader of the council has said no library will be closed for five years, at least. That gives some of those very small community libraries where they so wish the opportunity to join with us in running their services. But doing nothing is not an option. Here in Saffron Walden, your lovely library in Saffron Walden with the little Gibson Library rebranded in there, 10 years ago, the loans were standing at 302,349 books a year. Last year, that figure has gone down by 57%, only 127,000 loans. People are not using libraries the same way they used to. There is a bit of use on e-books, but there's much more people looking up how to put up a shelf on YouTube or how to bake Mary Berry's chocolate cake on YouTube. They don't go to a library and take out books like that again. People don't go and take six books to take on holiday. They download them to their e-reader. Now, we want to make use of these spaces. We want to work with you, but we don't do it by demanding that another council does something. So I'm afraid with the words, as they are in the amendment, I can't support it. Thank you, Councillor. Does anybody else wish to speak to the amendment? Councillor uh, Khan, thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, I, I have to say that um, I'm slightly astounded by Councillor Barker's um, response to Councillor Sell. I mean, let's be clear. Everybody in this room believes that libraries are firstly a place of learning, secondly a place for the community. The proposal that's gone forward to Essex County Council is a fantasy a fantasy in the sense that everything can be run by volunteers. I lead a service where volunteers are at the centre of it, but actually behind it there is a core uh, cadre of highly qualified, competent staff that serve volunteers to enable them to do the job. This paper that went to Essex County Council is silent. It is a fantasy. It is drawn up in a circus that currently we are governed by in 10 Downing Street. It is a mirror image of a fantasy. And I believe that we should, councillors in the Essex County Council should call the decision in, think again and consult with the community. I do believe and I do agree with Councillor Barker that doing nothing is not appropriate. We do need to do something, but think laterally, as colleagues have said, and think carefully about the implications. So I support the amendment wholeheartedly.
Thank you, Councillor. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Um, I'm pleased to see that most of the first line of the original motion is still the same, and, and I'd like to repeat it, if I may. And I, the Council condemns the action of Essex County Council. That is the first line of the motion and the amendment. Um, Mr Chair, quite frankly, um, I think it's a disgrace. I have to say, I think the actions of Essex County Council are a disgrace. For the sake of austerity, Essex County Council has attempted to cut the services to the vulnerable, in effect. Um, but we must ask, and Mr Chairman, I would ask you, please, sir, to convey it to Essex County Council on our behalf. What did the so-called consultation cost the taxpayer? We're told that it was launched in November last year and it closed in February of this year. And over 21,000 responses received. What must that have cost? Um, and Essex County Council commissioned a venture research to analyse and evaluate the responses. Because, Mr Chairman, um, judging from the flip-flopping, it's still always seems to be about money. Uh, I don't think there was ever going to be a consultation to improving our delivery and um, our statutory obligations. And I would go so far as to say that it was actually disingenuous. Um, Essex County Council are obliged, under the Public Libraries and Museum Act 1964, they're obliged to provide public uh, library services to all residents. In their initial assessment of Essex libraries, even before their so-called consultation, Essex County Council declared their intention to close at least two of our libraries here in Uddlesford and reduce services throughout the district. Fact. The consultation was never about how to improve, how to invest or nurture this valuable community asset. It was always about cost savings. And after a concerted cross-party campaign led by residents for Uttlesford, Liberal Democrats and Save Our Libraries Essex, the Conservative-run Essex County Council, apologies, have finally realised that this ravaging of services would lose them valuable votes. And who would support that? So, like the Greeks bearing gifts, they've now come back and now suggest we take 20 pieces of silver or £3 million or £18,000 per library and run our own libraries with our own volunteers. Mr Chairman, they're shirking on their duty and this remains giving by stealth, in disguise. Volunteers are not librarians. As well-meaning and dedicated as they might be, 
They're no substitute to a professional service. The naive expectation that residents will swallow this clear ploy to reduce funding by Essex County Council is matched only by their cynical disregard for residents and the vulnerable. It's for this reason, Mr Chairman, that I not only support this motion and the amendment, but I call on every one of our councillors here tonight to join me in condemning this callous behaviour by Essex County Council. And, finally, I'd like to call for a recorded vote on this issue. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor. Uh, clap if you want to, it's fine. Uh, Councillor Lees. I'll, I'll make it a little bit shorter. Um, yeah, this motion was up before, and I remember being told that we had to be collaborative and we had to be nice to the people that we're working with with the other councils. Well, any of you that are in long-term relationships, you still love your wife or your husband like me, we have loads of fights. Big fights, arguing fights, people you care about, you have a fight. There's nothing wrong with telling your neighbours you've got it wrong, if they have. We don't, it doesn't mean that we're unkind. It doesn't mean that we're saying, you know, we don't like you. What we're saying is, this particular thing isn't okay. And we say that to people we love to make life a little bit better. We say it to ourselves. Last time, I did mention about the cost-cutting, and I'm just going to relay that very quickly again. Where people say they're going to save money, if you relay it to the people that use it, an old lady that goes regularly, which I said before, she ends up in hospital, the cost for that is the same cost as Thaxted Library for a year. And it's all about saving money, isn't it? But really the money comes out of the public purse. We're still paying for it, and I absolutely support it, and well done for the motion. Thank you. Councillor Taylor. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, I speak somewhat parochially for Thaxted, where I have lived for many years. We in Thaxted are very fortunate. We have a library which is central a central part of the community in the centre of the town. I visited the library this afternoon purely to return a book um, at half past two. When I visited, there happened to be 19 people in the library of all different ages, from the very young to the quite old. Um, Thaxted Library is already striving to deliver the seven ambitions for public libraries in the 2016 to 2021 Libraries Task, Task Force document. Cultural and creative enrichment, increased reading and literacy, improved digital access and literacy, helping everyone achieve their fuller potential, healthier and happier lives, greater pr prosperity, stronger, more resilient communities. Yet from the very flawed consultation by Essex County Council. And since its publication, Faxted Library has deemed to be a tier four library, which originally meant that it would close, but now could stay open, apparently run by an organization which is not Essex County Council, without its support. I have very grave concerns about the vague concept of these third party organizations which might run libraries. 
and their total, the total lack of details as to how such organisations would work and to whom they would be accountable. Yet, in both these situations, either Faxted being closed or being run by one of these third-party organisations, the Faxted residents would still be paying the, a proportion of their council tax to Essex County Council for library services, which would not be available to them. So, so I support this motion and its amendment. Thank you, Councillor. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. I wasn't going to speak, but it is quite an important issue, as we've said before. Mr Chairman, the history of this process has been long and arduous. It's been more than a year now we've heard about it. We've had, we've had a decision taken out of the blue that, um, as of a certain date, we'll define all our libraries in terms of groups one, two, three, and four, and bad luck if you're number four, and we'll keep the number one. That's great. Once you've decided this magnanimous gesture, we're going to consult. Now, the consultation generally means two-way. I'm going to ask you what you think, and then I'm going to advise and, make, and adjust my actions accordingly. Not here. We consult so we've told people we've consulted and it's done completely. Unfortunately, there was a problem with that. People responded to the consultation with, with uh, petitions and protests and, and irate gestures. You see, the thing is this. We decided SX we're going to save money by not putting money in libraries. This is the point. Whose money is it? It's taxpayers' money. They're the guys giving the money to the council, and they're the guys who use the libraries. We won't worry about that now because we're going to save costs. After an election where it was brutal and pretty final, we'll change our minds again and we'll give you three years or a five-year death sentence and we'll close it off that time, as long as you find volunteers to step up and do the job for us. It's cynical. It's unacceptable. It's completely unacceptable. And yes, we can demand of Essex that they change their mind. That's our job, to say, stop, chaps, we can do it. They don't have to listen. We've established they don't do it already. But we can make the point. We can make the point. We can condemn them and say, this is not the way we do things. Please behave better. They won't, but we can keep on trying. So I suggest I will support both the amendment and the, and the motion itself. Thank you, Councillor. I've been asked to point out that actually Thaxted is a town, not a village, as stated in the amendment. It's important to try and get these things right. <laughs> I guess we should move for a vote on the amendment. Does the proposer wish to come back on this? Sure. Councillor Caton? Can I just say on Arthur Spencer, I mean, obviously I agree with all that my wife said earlier. <laughs> 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 uh, but I, I do think that there is an exceptional case I think we can move to the vote, actually. And I think spent a million pounds and now in the same situation uh, 
as a two-hour-a-week community library in uh, some dingy peninsula village. Uh, I just think it is totally unsatisfactory. And that is why the wording is maybe slightly aggressive, Barker. It is because you have not responded to an exceptional case in others. Yes. Thank you. Can I remind you that Councillor Barker is here as a district councillor, not as a county councillor? Now, I'm going to move to a vote, unless anybody strongly objects to that. I have been asked for a recorded vote, so we're voting on the amendment. So I will ask um, uh, Mr. Pugh to go ahead, please, and... Uh, do it in your own way, as it were. I have a list of councillors. They do, the list doesn't indicate who's here and who isn't. So um, if I ask for, for, for a vote from somebody who isn't here, just bear with me and say not here or something. Um, I'll read out each, the name of each councillor, and I will ask if you're voting for or against or abstaining. <laughs> All clear? Good. Okay. Councillor Armstrong. Councillor Asker. Four. Councillor Bagnall. Four. Councillor Barker. Against. Councillor Caton. Four. Councillor Coote isn't here. Councillor Cristiani. Against. Councillor Day. Four. Councillor De Vries. Four. Councillor Dean. Four. Councillor Driscoll. Councillor Eek? Four. Councillor Evans? Four. Councillor Fairhurst? Four. Councillor Foley? Four. Councillor Freeman? Four. Councillor Gerard? Four. Councillor Gregory? Sorry, he's not Councillor Gregory. Sorry, Councillor Gregory, not here. Councillor Hargreaves? Four. Councillor Isham? Four. Councillor Jones? Four. Councillor Khan? Four. Councillor Lavelle? Four. Councillor Count? Four. Councillor Lees? Four. Councillor Lemon? Four. Councillor Lysand here? Councillor Lodge? Four. Councillor Lachlan? Four. Councillor Lux not here? Councillor Merrifield? Four. Councillor Oliver. Abstain. Councillor Pavitt. Four. Councillor Pepper. Four. Councillor Reeve, not here. Councillor Sell. Four. Councillor Storer. Four. Councillor Sutton. Four. Councillor Taylor. Four. Uh, well, we'll tot up the numbers, but that's very clearly carried. Thank you. <coughs> Thank you very much. That's the um, amendment. Does anybody wish to vote on the substantive? Otherwise, sorry, we have to vote on the substantive. I'm informed. The hands will do. Those in favour? Microphone. Microphone, please. Quickly sum up on the substantive. By all means. Yeah, I, I won't keep you. But I think it might be of interest to members um, 
I'm quoting from a letter dated the 20th of February 2019. It was addressed to the Cabinet Member for Customer and Corporate Services at Essex County Council. And I just want to quote a few extracts from it. And then after I've done that, I will tell you who wrote the letter. Because the sentiments on it in this letter are ones that I hope that we would agree. The writer says, quote, Libraries are a place for local organisations to meet, councillors to engage with their constituents, people to be provided with help and support, and as such, they play an important role in the social capital of communities across Essex. To interrupt you, councillor, but it is a right of reply. It's not a speech in its own right. You have a right of reply. I'm looking for a reply here. Right, OK. I, was, I thought I was summing up, Chairman. Uh, I'm not right to reply. I thought I was summing up the motion. Uh, so I'd like to do it. Summing up's fine. Sorry, yeah, thank you. Um, because I think it's an important point that I'm making. Um, and the writer goes on to say they are also extremely important in helping to combat social isolation. The writer then goes on uh, to say that in broad terms, Essex County Council would save around a million pounds a year if they were to close the 25 libraries which have been identified under Tier 4. To my mind, this will be a false economy, not least because of the extremely important social role that libraries now provide in our communities. Whether or not this is good economics is highly debatable, but is undoubtedly very bad politics. To use a popular expression, the game is not worth the candle. The cabinet member may recognise who the writer was. The writer, I can say, not normally someone I would immediately leap up and to say, yes, totally agree with what you said, this is the Right Honourable Mark Francois MP for Rayleigh and Whitford. Conservative MP for Rayleigh and Whitford. Totally agree with what he said. And I know other MPs like Robert Elfin and Harlow have said the same. So I think that I would urge colleagues to vote for the substantive motion, sending out once again a message that we in Uttlesford value our libraries and recognising, yes, libraries do need a review. They shouldn't stand still but we value them and therefore we should support them. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Councillor. So now we vote on the substantive motion, which is the adopted amendment. So all those in favour, please show. That looks almost unanimous. Those against, please show. Two against, abstentions. One abstention. One abstention, two again. Thank you. I'm now going to try and get back to the agenda uh, as it originally started. Can you press the green thing on there, please? And nothing will happen, probably. No. Item two. Item two. Right. So minutes of the previous meetings. <clears throat> Meeting held on the 21st of May 2019 and two extraordinary meetings 
held on the 28th of June 2019. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, is it your wish that I sign the minutes of the meeting of the 21st of May as a true and correct record? No, you have to speak up. Uh, propose, thank you. I'll do that offline. Uh, and likewise, the minutes of the first meeting, which was held on the 28th of June. Is that a true and correct record? Yes, yes thank you. And then we had a very short uh, meeting immediately after. We had to stop people going out the door. There's a minute for it. Is it your wish that I sign that as a true and correct record? Thank you. Okay. Uh, showing on this magic screen is a list of engagements uh, or, uh, that your chairman has attended. I don't intend to go into them in any depth. Uh, uh, one of them was actually uh, the um, Essex County Council Civic Reception, uh, which was held in the race course, which is a rather fine place, Cheltenham Race Course. Uh, and in the same week, I happened to attend a civic reception by the Lord Bishop of Chelmsford, uh, which happened to be in a tent in his back garden. Uh, I have to say that the gathering at the Lord Bishop of Chelmsford was, um, to my mind at least, uh, 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 an easier meeting to attend, but uh, that's fine. Uh, you can see for yourself the meetings we've been to. There was uh, my colleague, uh, Councillor Foley, uh, stood in for me at a reception at uh, Saffron Hall. I'm very pleased he was able to do that. Saffron Hall is a stunning uh, conception. It's an extremely, as those of you who haven't been there, I firmly recommend that you do so. It is uh, an exceptionally good acoustic studio and a very, very good uh, concert hall. Thank you. I now plan to move on to reports from the leader and members of the executive, please. Thank you, Chair. Um, I, I have a feeling that you may be slightly less enthusiastic about listening to my report as we're approaching the, uh, the two-hour period. And uh, thank you to two members of the public who are still here to listen to it. Uh, I will try and, try and be brief, uh, but I hope you will find it very relevant to the business of the Council. Slight distractions in the background. Uh, it's now 89 days uh, since the election in May. Uh, and uh, we've worked hard. I hope people have the perception we've worked hard to start delivering on the promises that, uh, that we had in our campaign and on the platform that, um, that we presented in that came, campaign. Uh, these were not uh, a set of quick fixes, uh, but included some changes to the fundamental operation of this district council so that it can best serve the needs of all residents. Um, what we believe is that residents want more open and democratic processes of local government uh, where they could be connected to the decisions which are then made and in consultation with them. Residents can then, can then rebuild the trust in the people they elect and the way that this council operates on a daily basis. For that reason, we're looking closely at making the council more transparent and more representative. And there's been a lot of talk about cross-party. I think that this is a cross-party approach, and I hope that the other parties will feel in, in that way. And we don't see divisions and factions that are maybe all too evident in national politics happening here where we need them least, and that's uh, in Uttlesford. We want to be working together. 
We are very pleased to be proposing the setting up of a council working group which will explore the long-term democratic change and we will consider the possibilities and potential we have to set up a residence-led council which operates with open doors. This is, in fact, item eight on the agenda, so uh, you, you'll just have a little bit more from me later. Um, Members will be aware that we have increased the size of the Cabinet to 10 portfolio holders and at no greater cost to council taxpayers. This enables a wider range of topic leads who have real and relevant responsibilities to work for our local communities. Amongst uh, other things, uh, they've been working on such items as climate change and library motions, and we've rather changed the order, so you've heard a lot about that and you've heard some significant cross part party working there, and you'll also hear about the Youth Council a little bit later in the agenda, should the Council vote to carry on past two hours. Um, I think that the climate change motion echoes the movement of many local authorities, and, and we've seen the enthusiasm from, from the public, and they recognise that we're in a very real emergency and we're facing uh, our own responsibility for tackling it. We've gone through all that already. Um, we recognise that no locally elected group can possibly have the extensive and far-reaching expertise required to make every decision it faces. Advice and consultation are critical. My party has always been open to consulting outside experts, and this will continue at the Council. We have promised to obtain full legal advice to ensure that our actions are reasonable and minimise the risk on potential legal costs against UDC in the future. And you know that I'm referring then particularly to the ongoing planning application for the growth of Stansted Airport. We had initial concerns about the Section 106 agreement for mitigating the harm of the airport expansion, and now our planning committee will have the opportunity to properly consider the agreement, an opportunity which was denied at the November 28 in 2018 hearing. The Planning Committee will also have the opportunity to take advice and consider any material considerations which may have arisen in the months since November last year. Now, on other matters, the local plan is clearly at the forefront of our minds and we have been part of the current process in the examination and evaluation of the plan as submitted. Um, we know little from the first stage of that uh, examination. Many of you who will be here will have noted that there was remarkably little feedback from the inspector. Um, but what we did, and, and we're going to have to wait until September for that formal feedback. Um, one thing that we did see was a strong case for the reduction of the housing numbers, which uh, we've been campaigning for over quite a number of years. And we know that the five-year land supply could be improved by a revision of the care home numbers. And this could well meet one aspect of the affordable homes that we need, but not all of them. And we have got to look also at the need for younger families in, in that plan. Um, a key principle is to push here for locally-led development corporations. That has not yet come out in the plan, but that is very much an area that we'll be investigating over the coming months. Um, so this will allow us to provide the very best quality of development in the district uh, to really meet our housing need, amongst all other requirements, among transport, amongst business and employment needs. All of the new communities built in this uh, country at recent times have been built using um, 
locally led development corporations. Um, and so we feel it would, in this case here, and on this occasion, be madness to deny this district such a process and cede it to the commercial operations of developers who, whatever their skills and experience, they are still led by the desire of their shareholders to make a handsome profit from that development. But we're not under any illusion that this will be easy. The previous Westminster government warned that there will be further reductions in central funding which will hit all local authorities hard and difficult decisions will have to be made. We aim to work proactively pushing for an intelligent investment strategy to safeguard taxpayer funds so that we can continue to grow our services to the public. With a modern strategic business approach, we aim to generate significant further revenues for investments to bolster whatever funding central government releases and safeguard our local communities for the future. Mr Chairman, we've got the programme off to an energetic start and I look forward to reporting further on progress in the coming months. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor. Um, I am required under the rules of procedure uh, to ask if it's okay to continue beyond 9.30. We're supposed to do our meetings within two hours. Uh, the good news is that only under very exceptional circumstances are we allowed to proceed after 10.30. That's not going to happen. But is it okay if we continue beyond 9.30? I have to ask your consent for that. Okay, fine. Thank you. So... Questions to the leader. We have up to 15 minutes uh, for those that feel that they wish to. Okay, Councillor Khan. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Uh, a question for Councillor Lodge, uh, leader of the council, and Councillor Fairhurst, uh, leading the investment strategy. Um, and it's on a theme that uh, he mentioned in his uh, opening speech. So, in the interests of uh, transparency and democratic accountability, uh, could Councillor Lodge and Councillor Fairhouse provide an explanation of the governance arrangements of the Council's investment arm, Aspire? Uh, this is a critical area of our work, which I'm sure members will agree on, uh, and I'm sure members will want to know that the appointed officers, who are non-executive directors, as well as the independents that form the board of Aspire, are clear on their fiduciary responsibilities, and that it is not in conflict with the Council's 50% shareholding. Thank you. Sorry, I'm, I'm not personally prepared. I'm sorry, I'm not, not prepared. <laughs> I don't have the preparation to answer that uh, off, off, uh, off the cuff at the moment, so I would need to come back on that. I don't know whether Councillor Fairhurst can uh, add anything at the moment. Councillor Fairhurst, do you want to add to that? Yes, Mr Chairman. Again, I'm prepared, but that's fine. Normally, when you invest something, the process is pretty traditional. You set up an investment board or committee, and they look at the process and ask themselves what is the scale of investment and all sorts of things like the, the time horizon and risk tolerance and so on. We find ourselves already with a quite a substantial investment, which is effectively far too large, in fact, for one investment, um, and some substantial systemic and asystemic risks. Where we are right now is we're setting up that board, that investment board, which will include some councillors, some officers, and one or two outside people. They will be trained, and they will assess things as if they'd been from the beginning. 
They will then set up what they call an investment protocol, which will define the kinds of investments we can get, and that, of course, will change from time to time. And overall, we, re we change the investment strategy we have at the moment so this council knows what the investment is trying to achieve and know the benchmarks by which we can measure its success or its failure. That would be a very, very rudimentary or basic governance structure to ensure that we don't invest recklessly, we don't put all our eggs in one basket. Am I confident? Yes, I believe we'll get there. We've got some, we've got some real talent in this room, and I believe we can get there. But there's some, some time to go. I'd like to think that in the next, by the time the next meeting happens, we'll have the people in place, and hopefully some steps being taken in that direction. We have got drafts for those three functions already. Thank you. Councillor Dean. Yes. Thank you. Have I got the dud one? Is this working? It is working, even though the light's not working, <laughs> apparently. Is, it, is this not working? People tell me it is working, so I'll, I'll stick with the partial lighting. In, um, I, this is, I guess this is a, a question to the leader, and, and thanking him for... Um, preview of some of the administration's priorities. In, um, in July 2007, for those who were around at that time, uh, when the Conservatives took over from the Liberal Democrat administration, at the July meeting there was um, a new corporate plan on the table that we were all able to look at and argue about. Um, I'm concerned that at the moment there is no new corporate plan to give direction to our officers as to what, what the priorities of the council are. Um, could I ask the leader what plans he has to bring forward a corporate plan that we can all understand, debate and possibly agree? Thank you. Yes, good question. Just before I move on to that, come back to Khan's question. I think that... Um, yeah, we could have espoused that, that forward strategy. I think you were asking a question about governance arrangements, which uh, were, not, were not covered there. I think we'll have to take those away and come back to those. So I, I understand that. Yes, on, on the future strategy, we certainly will um, have a, a strategy, I would say, in the, in the last quarter of the year, may, maybe earlier than that. Uh, but it's not, it's, you'll appreciate it's not, it's not a simple job to do that. We, uh, we, we're having a, a very large amount of consultation uh, amongst our party, particularly on the, on, the, on the priorities. We know the headline priorities, but we, we looked in detail at probably some 200 actions that we want to in, incorporate into, into a corporate plan. So I suppose the short answer is that we are, we are doing it properly, and I hope that you will be satisfied with that um, when you see it. And also, just com coming, coming back to, to more immediate action, we hope that um, we will get maybe a clear answer from you or more on the participation in that, in that we'd hope that members of your, uh, your party would, jo would join in as, as a topic lead, possibly, and we're still waiting formally for an answer on that, which will help us clear the way to, to doing the strategy on that. Ed, you may re obviously respond to that if you'd like. If I could come back with um, a supplementary. I mean, the problem is that when we come back from holiday in September, we start on next year's budget. Um, and if there isn't a corporate plan in place which says what the administration's priorities are, then it gives our officers a, a, somewhat of a, a, a dilemma as to how to start preparing the budget. So I think, I think that needs to be borne in mind. And, and if I can just make one more point that I'd like an answer to. I have discovered that there is 
one, clarity amongst officers that they're still working to the previous Conservative administration's uh, priorities because nothing has changed. Um, but also I'm finding that officers, whereas previously they were engaging with taking instructions from uh, liaising with one cabinet member, they're now in, and they might, this may be an exceptional case, I don't know, uh, liaising with three cabinet members and six or eight uh, topic leads and, and that must be very confusing particularly if officers don't understand what the hierarchy is for topic leads so I will say to the leader forgive me if I'm hesitant over getting involved in topic leads because I think there's continuing uncertainty as to how it works and officers are confused as to who's there to liaise with. So I, I think this is urgent, that needs urgent attention. Thank you, Councillor. Can I say from the Chair, this is not a new situation for officers. They endure it every four years. And the other thing that happens every four years is that uh, the incoming administration has to work with the budget and the, um, the, basically the finances that were set a year before. That's the nature of the beast. You know that as well as I do. We've all endured it. We have to live with it. Councillor Ferris, do you wish to make... I, I have another speaker to come, but if you have a response... ...have a response if he wants. He's got seven minutes left. Yes, thank um, thank you. And I do, I do accept uh, the points that Councillor Dean's making, that it is, not, it is far from a simple and straightforward process. We're going to a, a, a more complex system of, of matrix management, and I accept that, and I'll accept the implications. I am working very closely with the Chief Executive to look how the new responsibilities of the topic leads map onto the responsibility of the officers, and we will make that situation uh, a lot more clear before we get on to the final strategy and we'll ensure that where any financial decisions have to be made for the budget, those aspects will be dealt with uh, in a timely manner. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, to the Leader of the Council and his capacity as Cabinet Member for planning. Um, I note that the Planning Committee has refused a number of planning permissions against the recommendations of the officers and I can imagine that a number of these will go to appeal and be successful. I would ask the leader to commit to report back to each meeting of this council the costs incurred by the council on defending these appeals and the loss of Section 106 benefits and affordable housing numbers where these appeals are upheld. I will endeavour to do that. I, I don't recall it's anything that the previous administration uh, provided and I don't want to burden uh, officers with, a, with a, a tremendous extra amount of uh, paperwork. But I, I, I understand the spirit of your question and will do the best to answer it. Chairman, if I could come back. Um, if the leader does not, then I will frequently put in freedom of information request. Thank you. Freedom of information request. You don't really need that sort of thing in here, but anyway, it's within your scope to do it, so if you feel it necessary, please do so. Councillor Fairhurst, and then Councillor Sell. Thank you, Mr Chairman. 
On the question of, of strategy, yes. At the moment, we are working to the old corporate plan, which is fairly detailed, and which I think was last visited a couple of months ago. Um, the idea, of course, is that corporate plans are, in, are informed by strategy. Um, unfortunately, in the last couple of years, we haven't had a strategy. We've had a very sort of basic vision, and I sat down a couple of times with our chief executive, and we're working towards a strategic process. It does involve a cabinet working group, which will involve all parties, of course. And once you've established what the strategy is, we will then be in a position to change the corporate plan to, to meet with that strategy. It starts with vision, then it's strategy, then it's corporate plan. But at the moment, we are working to specific, specifics are, and, and elements of a current work, a corporate plan. I hope that answers your question. Thank you. I have Councillor Sell. Thank you. Chairman, a question to the leader and a request. Will the leader in future be providing a written report, as was done in the past administration, and will the leader commit... I did ask him at the first Cabinet meeting to have a job description or a specification for the portfolio holders. He asked Councillor Dean, on behalf of the Lib Dem group, to buy into the focus leads. I'm not necessarily opposed to it, but I would like to know what I'm buying into. So I'm asking for more information. The request is hopefully not controversial, the leader may be aware that there was an accident in Stansted last week involving one of our refuse vehicles uh, where a Range Rover went into the back of our refuse vehicle, unfortunately injuring two of our employees. Mm. Could he, on behalf of the council, send their best wishes for a recovery to our two employees, please? Thank you. Um, I have no, no intention of, of producing uh, written reports. I would hope that the verbal one would be, would be adequate. Uh, we'll be working on the organisation structure. A bit of a chicken and egg situation coming here. We had to, to meet to, uh, to discuss this, but I will, will, will try and progress that. And, and along, as I said, with the Chief Executive, may make the organisation structure visible from both the uh, member perspective and from the officer perspective. Councillor Caton. Uh, thank you. As, you. as you know, I don't sit on the planning committee, and um, I uh, do not direct the, uh, the, the planning committee in, in any way. Um, that may be seen as a contrast in, uh, in some ways. Um, I am, uh, yes, disappointed if we're not, if we're not getting uh, affordable housing through. But I think to be, to be very positive, and I said I can't look at those individual applications for the uh, planning committee because that's, that's their matter in the quasi-judicial process. But when it comes to building the new communities, then there will be an enormous emphasis 
on providing the um, affordable housing, the social housing, the key worker housing that the district needs. And, and yes, I think that we will, by the end of that period, have a tremendous record on producing uh, affordable and proper social housing for the community. Right, there being no more questions for the leader, I presume, I shall move on to the next agenda item, uh, which is matters referred from the executive and the council's committees. There are none of those. Item seven, and matters received about joint arrangements and external organisations. Again, there is nothing under that heading. So item eight, governance review proposal to establish a council working group. And I would invite the leader to uh, report on this, please. Back again, apologies, but we're, da we're dashing through the agenda now. Um, I think you have a look at your papers. I think that um, item number seven is the, uh, is, is, is the crutch to this. It says, um, governance here means how does the council make decisions? And that is the key point that we're making with this initiative. We're, we're looking to improve the cabinet system where it has been perceived that too much power was vested in too few hands. You'll have seen that we've already broadened the council's decision-making processes uh, with a larger cabinet and topic leads, and that's been a subject already, and uh, it's, it's not a totally straightforward process. Um, and we've gone a certain way, but perhaps we can go even further, and I hope we can go even further. So I'm recommending a working group of council made up of nine members cross-party. You will see that the planned schedule for the group, and it's accepted that it may be challenging for us to complete the process by the next annual meeting, which is the initial aim. I propose that the working group will be led one of the, by one of the district's most experienced politicians, Councillor Coote, and um, the, the other ones, I th I'm not sure that these have all been in the papers, just but for completeness. The other members, proposed members of the panel, are, along with Councillor Cooter, Councillor Lees, Councillor Veer, Councillor Evans, Councillor Freeman, Councillor Cristione, Councillor Gregory, Councillor Sell, and Councillor Khan. I'm convinced they will uh, bring back to the council an exciting new model and I would like then to formally propose the establishment of that working group. Excellent, thank you. That requires a seconder. Does it find a seconder? Councillor Fairhurst, thank you. Those... Yes, does anybody wish to speak to this? Yes, Councillor Lachlan. Well, the, the, the process starts now, absolutely, yes. I thought we've, uh, well, I, in that case, I misunderstood it because everybody knows we have to go through a design process, we have to go through a consultation process, and it can, any new system can only start at the annual meeting. So um, I, I obviously misunderstood you because there was no way that the new system can start until May next year, and, and that's the schedule that we're aiming for. 
lost in translation, I imagine. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, Mr Chairman. It's actually a very complicated process and it's worth doing. I think we all agreed, very much so, four years ago, that the cabinet system concentrates power in the hands of six cabinet members and a leader. It seems rather ambitious that seven people can conduct the affairs of 86,000 people with any kind of durability and capacity. The idea was to expand that, the number of people involved in that power structure so we can be more democratic and involve more people. There is possibly a different way. The committee system is a good system. I rather like the committee system. That seems to be the default for now. But there seems to be another way of doing this where each of the cabinet units themselves, as we have now 10, itself is comprised of, or most of them are comprised of, working groups. So in other words, it's not just 10 people making decisions, or 11 people making decisions, but 10 people plus 10, or a few less, working groups all making decisions, so that participation is much, much broader and much more democratic. But that's the point of this process of, of having a working group. We should consider this and assess it in terms of its democratic process, its capacity, and its effectiveness. Uh, first of all, I want to see if anybody else wishes to speak to this. Thank you, Councillor. Anybody else wish to uh, speak to this matter, this, this particular item? In which case, Councillor Lachlan, please. Looking around the room from the chair, I can see one or two people who also served, apart from myself, from Councillor Lachlan, uh, and the committee system. And at one stage, I was quite convinced that the committee system was better. I'm now rather confused about it. So uh, time will tell. Thank you. Uh, we, we need to... Uh, yeah. We have a recommendation which has been proposed and has been seconded. We now need to vote. That's in favour or otherwise, of setting up this um, uh, council working group to, renew, to review our governance system. Those in favour, please show. Those against? Abstentions? One abstention, one against. That is carried. Thank you. Moving on to item nine. Appointment of a member of the Essex Police, Fire and Crime Panel. Uh, we are nominating uh, Councillor Day, has been nominated. I need a proposer for Councillor Day. That's Councillor Gerard, thank you. And a seconder uh, can be Councillor Armstrong. Thank you. Uh, I, th I think we need to go straight to a vote on that. It's not a matter we debate. Uh, those in favour, please show. Uh, those against and uh, abstentions one one abstention thank you okay. I, I now plan to move on to item 12 uh, do tell me if I've missed anything out but uh, item 12 is yet another motion uh, I think the lesson from this is that three motions in one council meeting is probably at least one motion too many. Uh, anyway, I'm sure it will be fully debated. Uh, so I would invite Councillor Fairhurst uh, to propose a motion as set out in the agenda. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Chairman. It's uh, 10, to 8, 10 to 10 at night, 
and I will therefore resist the temptation to wax lyrical on the subject, um, except to say that tonight's agenda has been rather august. I think we should be quite proud of ourselves. It's uh, an agenda that included climate emergency. It included libraries and the future of our libraries and whether our communities can live without them or not. We've discussed the local plan and its, 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 its inspection. We've discussed Stansted Airport and its expansion. And all of these things have one thing in common. They're all about long way into the future. Climate change affects us for the next century or more. We would like to think that libraries will last and our communities will in fact last into the next century or more. The local plan, we're told, is 15 years, but let's not kill ourselves. It's a lot more than that. It's the next generation. And, of course, the Stansted Airport, we know, is going to grow bigger than Heathrow and whatever. Um, all long-term proposals we're discussing here, we're discussing things that will affect this district for the next decades. It's very likely none of us will be here to see the effects of our decision. Welcome to the future. There's one thing missing. There's one conspicuous absence from the process. The elephant in the room, if you like. Those that these decisions affect most don't have a seat at the table. We had one voice today, which was nice. They don't have a voice. The youth, the brilliant youth that I can attest to, don't actually have a voice at the table. They don't participate. They don't argue, they don't discuss. They're told, keep quiet, we'll tell you how the future is going to be. And you heard from our one ex-youth counsellor how she felt about that. It's a common thread. Now the good news, of course, is we can fix this. We can fix it with a stroke of a pen tonight. We have a youth council, it's taken us three years to get there, and I must at this point thank Councillor Lemon and Light, um, the officers involved, John and Ben, and I must also point to the junior councillors themselves, the youth councillors, Millie and, and Flo and, and Tom. We come to these meetings and they discuss really serious things like mental illness and planning. They get involved and then it stops. Because here's where the action is. This is where the decisions are taken. We have a moment tonight at seven minutes to ten to change that. There's an empty seat there, and I'd like to see one of these. Youth councillor. Let's let them into our room. Let's involve them in the discussion. Let's hear their views. I attend all youth council meetings, and they discuss lots of important things. They listen. They're intelligent. Let's welcome them in. And so I would like to propose that we give them power. We enable them. We ask them to join us. This is the proposal. This council resolves that it will engage and integrate the youth council more closely with the council and agrees the following principles. One, that the youth council has a permanent non-voting representative at full council meetings in order to participate in debates. They can bring the ideas from their council to our council. We can hear what the other side thinks. Two, that the youth council members are supported by district council members at youth council meetings. It's always the same old faces. You'd be surprised what you can learn at a youth council meeting. It's a worthwhile experience, I can assure you. This is the future, whether you like it or not. And we've got some brilliant people there. Can I ask you, please, 
once, just one youth council, if each of us can attend one youth council to show our support for this, you'd be surprised how good it'll be for all of us. Three, the district council members are identified to support youth council members in the engagement at local schools. See, the problem is they're dealing at schools. The odd thing is their youth council is here, but when they go to school, they're pupils. They're disciplined, they're in their place. And sometimes they need to engage with teachers and seniors about elections and things like that. And I've been to all the schools and made presentations to assemblies, and it's a remarkable thing. It's a, it's a discussion. It's a good thing. It shows they didn't know we existed, to be honest. We do exist, and we have a role to play in our futures. And finally, this is something they specifically asked for the last council meeting, that we offer them more sufficient officer time is allocated to the youth council to enable it to meet its objectives. At the moment, they write their own constitutions. They have own little working groups. We need to give them more support, chaps. We really, really do. They're a good part of this council. Finally, the council requests officers to report back to the next council meeting on implementing these principles. Mr. Chairman, this is something we can really all join. This is, again, non-partisan. I implored you all to support this and get involved. Thank you. I need a seconder for that motion. I have Councillor... I need a seconder for that motion. Councillor Armstrong, thank you. In that... Yes, Councillor Lemon, thank you. Well, the matter is now open for debate. Um, believe me, I'm not being disrespectful tonight, and please don't take it that way. But there's not, but looking round at everybody, there's not many young people here, if any, tonight. <laughs> but, but we must we, we must do everything to encourage young people to get involved so that their views can be heard in this chamber. It is vitally important that we work with young people and take their ideas and views and listen to what they have to say. So I would like to ask everybody to support this motion. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Lochlin.
Thank you, Councillor. Councillor Cusioni. Thank you, Chair. Um, I'm wholly supportive of the motion. Um, the only concern I would have is that I, I'd be reluctant to take away the independence of the Youth Council, so providing they're happy, which I just assume they would be, um, yeah, more than happy to support it. Um, in relation to point one and Councillor Lachlan's point, I'd be concerned if they had a vote, uh, but they don't. And ultimately, I think, if I'm right, they're elected by their peers at school. And so there's a roundabout way um, that they could be involved in the democracy of this particular chamber. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor. Councillor Sell. And I'd like to acknowledge the work done by Councillor Lemon and getting overdue Youth Council. Um, I've got very similar sentiments to Councillor Lachlan. Uh, I have a 19-year-old son who's doing on the internship at the United Nations at the moment uh, in New York. Uh, so I fully appreciate uh, the importance of youth. But I do have a concern with relation to item one. I also, when it first came up, I did express a concern about the Youth Council, how representative it is. There is a danger with the Youth Council being elite because we do have a number of young people who are doing apprenticeships, working, uh, studying at Harlow College or Stansted Airport. Are they in the Youth Council? I don't know. But if they're not, that means that the Youth Council is not speaking for them. And that's my concern, is that not every young person is studying A-levels, yeah? hoping to go to university. There's a large number of young people out there doing apprenticeships or whatever. Their voice should be heard. And I like that, Councillor Lockton. I have concerns about allocating someone who's going to be able to intervene, at, presumably at your discretion, Chairman, at any time during the meeting. What I would like to suggest, a bit like Councillor Lachlan has said, I've got no problems with having a set a part of the agenda, agenda item, use council. Hmm. And at your discretion, you could decide how much time you wish to get, and Councillor Lemon and others can encourage members of the use council to come and speak on any item they wish, which may be on the agenda, and it's a set yeah. item on the agenda, rather than having someone sit here, and I'm not sure how representative they would be of young people, and commenting on any aspect of council business. Because once you set that precedent, I, I hear that our oh, young people haven't got a voice, but we think other communities, Uddlesford, large number of Chinese people in Uddlesford, do they have a voice? In this council chamber? I'm not sure they do. And the, the, where do you stop with that? So I'm happy with the other parts, but with item one, I have some concerns, but I think it can be addressed. Thank you, Councillor. Uh, Councillor Foley, please. I wouldn't normally uh, speak from here, but I'd really probably give you some information that might uh, help one way or the other. I was, many years ago, and the pre-runner to youth councils, a delegate in Scotland to a, a, a council. And um, I found it uh, inspiring at the time. The, in the 60s, I suppose, people were very actively involved, in, young people in politics. 
But uh, from, from these meetings, I got involved in the Young Liberals, the anti-apartheid movement, environmental issues over the years, whilst working. I wasn't elected by um, the council, but I was elected by uh, the, 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 the sort of version of a youth council at the time, as I understand the youth councillors are. And as long as there is no uh, voting on it, I think there's nothing better than seeing our youth here participating. Even, look, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out, either work or it won't. My own feeling is... Um, there is two things that I, that, that, that I would want, like to happen with. I fully support it, but I'd like to make sure that they get support. Um, the, the thing that I found uh, was that, of course, you no longer become a member of uh, a, count, uh, a youth council and you, you're told uh, to participate. There's a very high turnover. So they will need to have support and backing, and I'm willing to do anything I possibly can to help because I, 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 I really do believe that it's a, a good thing to do to have the youth here. And heaven's sake, we've just had today the very um, motion that's going to affect them more than anything else. We don't want to seem, and I know that I understand what you're saying, but we want, we don't want, we want to make sure that, that it's a welcoming place for them and maybe, who knows, they might end up like an old councillor Foley many years later. Well, that might not help you, cause. Yes, thank you, uh, Councillor. Councillor Khan, please. Uh, thank you. Um, firstly, I want to congratulate uh, Councillor Fairhurst. I think it's uh, an excellent idea. Well done. Um, but Councillor Sell actually uh, stole my thunder, and uh, I, w I wanted to just reiterate the points that he made, because I think they are essential. So not every young person is articulate enough, perhaps, to be on a youth council, and I think Councillor Sell mentioned A-level students. Absolutely right. Now, my experience of leading connection services that dealt with 13 to 19-year-olds, very successful uh, in London, we had shadow councils, and we had true engagement with young people, questioning the board's uh, decisions, real meaningful engagement. So I am really, really keen for this, and I, I will support you on this. I support your member, and congratulations for it. However, please do make sure that the, the voice of young people is representative, not tokenistic. It has to be representative. You have to have a true feeling and a true heart for young people to be able to do this. Uh, I do take the point uh, around item one of your proposal, the non-voting uh, representative. I think we can work around that, perhaps. But in the spirit of what it's meant, I can agree with it. Uh, to a degree, um, and I'm happy uh, to work with it. So make sure that the youth council is representative, because if it isn't, it's not real engagement. Mm. It becomes tokenistic, young people become cynical, and we get the view that is those people don't know what they're doing, they just want to tick the box. So support it in the spirit of its meant. Well done. Excellent, thank you. Uh, I, I have, well, there's lots of people, actually. Uh, I've got... <laughs> Councillor Lemon. Councillor Lemon, have you spoken already? Thank you. I'm sorry I you have seem already to be spoken, on my right? feet too yes. much. But just to explain that uh, when we started the Youth Council, we went to all the local schools to encourage them to become members and to support hmm. it. But ongoing, we're now going out to other places other than schools like skate parks and clubs and we've, I personally spoke to the air cadets so it is ongoing and it is not I want to make clear 
We had to start somewhere. We started with schools, but it is ongoing, and, uh, and we will make sure that that does happen. Thank you. Councillor Jard. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, I also fully support this, this motion. Um, I also attended several of the uh, Youth Council meetings uh, over, the, over the past year. Um, what I've also done is I've, I've been to various parish council meetings uh, where several of them have already adopted this approach. In fact, the one that most impressed me was Felsted Parish Council do have a permanent seat at the table, non-voting for they're, they're a member of their youth council. It so happens that he's not a schoolboy. He's actually in his early 20s. But he brought forward, from what, in the meeting I went to, a very constructive uh, debate. He added to the debate. Um, and I thought it was an excellent... Um, it added a lot to that. I know that myself, wearing my Newport Parish Council hat now, we are in the process of looking to engage with the youth of our village... Uh, I, define, I think youth needs to be defined. I don't think it should be just schools. I, I agree. I think that it should be, you know, youth. What is youth? I mean, in this room, youth is anything below whatever. But I think if, you know, school between 16 and 30 perhaps is youth. I don't know. But that's, that's for the youth council to define what they are. But I, I think it is important. I do agree with Councillor Foley. We've just approved something on climate change, which, which I, I think is important. And I think... Actually, there is a lot of benefit that we can actually get from members of the youth uh, here in this chamber. I agree. I don't believe they, they should have a vote yet, perhaps in the future. But I think it's a good start, and I certainly think it should be encouraged um, wholeheartedly. Uh, I do appreciate some of the, of, the, of, of the concerns, but I think we can work with those. But I fully support the motion. Thank you. Can I remind uh, councillors that the final part of this motion is that we actually ask the office to report back yeah. on approaches and feasibility so these things should come out in that wash. I'm anxious to finish by 10.30. I have four more speakers and I'm not going to accept any more. And you four are going to have to take less than five minutes apiece. And then I shall close the meeting. I'll go to a vote and I shall close the meeting. So the next one, Councillor Driscoll. Thank you, uh, Mr Chairman. I will be supporting the motion, but I do have a, a question of Ms. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst. At the present time, where do the members of the council come from? All over the district. All over the district. That's my only question. Thank you very much. Councillor Day. Thank you, Chair. I'll be very brief. Um, this is an investment in our future. Um, and the big word is engagement. If we don't listen to uh, uh, the youth of today, then I think we're mighty arrogant. Thank you, Chair. Excellent and concise. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Isham. I'll try, try and be also as concise. I, I totally support it. I think it's so important that we are seen to be uh, including the youth. And the clearest and easiest way to, to do that... I do, again, respect what other councillors have said about democracy. I totally take that on board. hope there is a way to resolve that. But I think it is really, really important that we are seen to have a youth member here and that message can go back through the youth councils and hopefully encourage others to fill the galleries above. Thank you very much. Councillor Asker, the last of our speakers, I think. 
Thank you, Chair. Just to bring up the rear slightly. Um, I'm really sorry to Councillor Lachlan, but I'd just like to correct her on one point. There's actually four groups in this chamber, not three. <laughs> well, who would have credited it? <laughs> so, I think we are now able to move to a vote on this matter. So, I don't think a recorded one is necessary. So those in favour of the motion, please show. Those against. And abstentions. Two, three, four. Four abstentions. Thank, five. Five. Who else? Councillor Sell. Right, okay. Five abstentions. Thank you, councillors. I think that concludes our business for the evening. Thank you very much for your patience. We've done a lot of work today. Well done. <laughs>